Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to a very special edition, a podcast on Hurricane Dorian and all the latest. Welcome, everybody. I'm hurricane expert Dr. Greg Postel at the Weather Channel, joined with our special guest here, Dr. Rick Nabb, former director of the National Hurricane Center, senior hurricane expert here at the Weather Channel, and also meteorologist extraordinaire, Sarah Dillingham. <laughs> so, guys, take it away. Well, yeah. yeah, Sarah really makes the uh, Weather Underground <laughs> show go this week. She's really been helping a lot. Uh, thanks, Dr. Nabb. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's always, you know, it's always uh, a challenge to work uh, in these shows because, you know, we kind of have to be firing on all cylinders at all times because there's just so much going on, a lot of information to take in. And so um, really nice working with you guys and learning from you guys as well. So it's been a good experience. So, um, yeah, so uh, we're doing another podcast again today, kind of a special tropical edition as we continue to follow Hurricane Dorian, which is now becoming quite a beast in the Atlantic. Um, and, and guys, you know, Dr. Postel, we talked yesterday. Um, it's, some of the things that you were seeing yesterday, we were already starting to see it become better organized. And then Dr. Nab last night on the show uh, was starting to increase in intensity, and now we've woken up to a, a Category 2 storm. Right. Well, one of the things that we noticed earlier today on the satellite pictures was the appearance of an eye, especially on the visible satellite shots. And that is a warning sign that Dorian may be about ready to strengthen significantly because we're seeing the interior of Dorian warm, meaning the pressures underneath will go down and perhaps fairly quickly. And then in response, we'll see the winds crank up. So this is all on the expected evolution of Dorian, but it's happening in front of our, no pun intended, eyes. Right. Yeah, every atmospheric and oceanic uh, environmental condition seems conducive for strengthening and then maintenance as a major hurricane. And what I'm most concerned about is the slow motion of a major hurricane. Major mm -hmm. hurricanes are bad enough. Major hurricanes going toward land and populated areas are bad enough, but a slow mover to lengthen the duration of winds, storm surge, and flooding rains will make it even more uh, life-threatening and damaging. Right, and yeah, I believe the movement currently in the latest advisory at 11 a.m. And by the way, we're recording this at 1 p.m. Uh, on Friday, August 30th, so you know this will continue to change. So we want people to, after they listen to the podcast, continue to watch us um, uh, on the Weather Channel as we continue to monitor the latest updates. But uh, the 11 a.m. advisory did show the movement northwest at 10, so it's already, I mean, it, that's around average speed, but in the coming days, we are anticipating that to slow down. It is slowing down as we speak. I think just maybe 12... 24 hours ago, it was moving almost 14 or 15 miles per hour. So that leftward turn toward the United States has begun in association with that slower motion. And, and as and Dr. Nab is talking about, that is a problem. And it's probably going to continue that trend. Yeah. As I've said before, I, I hate the slow category of storms. And right. we, we track a lot of parameters describing the storm, like the maximum sustained winds, the category, the forward speed is one of them that we ought to make one of the headlines over the next couple of days as it slows down. Um, one double-edged sword here is there's enough time for people to prepare. There's a couple more days before the winds of Dorian will arrive in Florida. 
perhaps even more than a couple of days from where we sit right now. Bahamas, of course, sooner in the Northwest Bahamas. But that also gives time for Dorian to strengthen some more. But we got to take advantage of that time to prepare and decide on your shelter and evacuate if you're told to do so and get those supplies for what could be a very long duration event that's really going to test everybody's nerves and uh, be a very uh, long duration hurricane event. Uh, more than a day of hurricane force winds potentially in some yeah, spots. And for many places as well, because yeah. we're starting to see perhaps that some of these impacts will not just include Florida, but also areas much farther to the north, Georgia and the Carolinas. I mean, we were talking all along, right? That first of all, just because you're not in the cone doesn't mean you're off the hook um, because we do think that there'll be impacts spread far and wide, but also as, as Rick was mentioning, the duration, the slow movement and its movement eventually away from Florida will include other places and other states as well. And we could very well be still talking about Hurricane Dorian a week from now. Yes. Exactly. That's yeah, how we, long this event is going to last. Yeah, we started to see that yesterday where we're looking at some of the ensembles and we're talking five, six, seven days out from Thursday and we're thinking, holy cow, this is a very long duration event. And, you know, we were talking about um, potential impacts to the U.S. mainland, but uh, Dr. Mab, you mentioned the Bahamas who are going to be impacted first with this. And we've got hurricane watches out there already some of the first closer to the mainland uh, here in the U.S., but we're expe- uh, expecting potentially catastrophic storm surge in these areas of up to 10 to 15 feet in the latest yeah, forecast. Yeah, we've seen past events in places like Freeport in the Bahamas that are extraordinarily vulnerable to storm surge, and that is in addition to the major hurricane force winds they may very well be experiencing uh, going to be a a very, very life-threatening event for them. Uh, the, you know, the Bahamas Weather Service is, is very savvy. They're talking directly to the hurricane specials at the National Hurricane Center, uh, but there's only so far you can go in the Bahamas to take shelter. And in fact, sometimes in the Bahamas, in an extreme event, they will actually take people off of certain islands and go somewhere else to the extent that's possible. But for you know, Grand Bahama, that might not be feasible. Right, right. Um, And so also, you know, we were talking about it slowing down. So let's talk about the steering pattern, because the steering pattern has been the big game changer potentially in the track of this storm, because a couple days ago, it looked like the ridge was going to be a little bit more closely positioned to the shore, a little stronger, kind of giving that westward drive into potentially the Florida coast. And now we're starting to see the ridges kind of um, change placement. The the ridge of the Atlantic is wanting to move east a little bit, and then there may be a trough up in the northern tier that's allowing a little bit of a pattern or at least a pattern to set up for this northward turn. Let's talk about that. Yeah, the northward turn is kind of reliant on our forecasting of the large-scale steering currents four and five days out, which there is still a considerable amount of uncertainty with that. So you're right, the placement of the ridge over the western Atlantic is going to be key. The movement in tandem with Dorian of that upper-level load just to its west is also playing effect. They're doing a little bit of a Fujiwara dance around each other. You know, these vortices in atmosphere flows do that. They kind of rotate around each other. Dorian appears to be undergoing a little bit of that right now. Instead of going northwest, it's maybe even more west-northwest now. And then the the western edge of the ridge, I mean, the break in the ridge really comes right around the southeastern United States coastline. And that's where the steering currents collapse. And Dorian, you know, we're just not sure where it's going to go, right? I mean, yeah, it's so, a lot. And so that means for Georgia and the Carolinas, we're talking about having to deal with uncertainties and track forecasts out five to seven days. And that's why it's 
it's still hard to tell folks up in those states when and exactly where and how strong uh, Dorian will be. But the the threat for those states is real, and uh, really for the whole state of Florida right now, the threat is still very real. We just don't know exactly who's going to get the worst of the winds and the storm surge. And so I would urge people not to wait until you know for sure that you're going to get essentially the worst of the hurricane, because by then it might be too late for you to take action. You know, the idea, and I was just asked this question on air, is it, um, what about the scenario where Dorian crosses Florida completely and gets in the Gulf of Mexico. That's possible still. Yeah, I mean, still you, you can't rule that out. Although it's more likely to not do that, it is still possible. And then I would say it's almost looking at the data that I've seen in the last 12 hours or so, I would say that the option that it stays offshore of Florida on the Atlantic side is more likely than it stay than it gets into the Gulf of Mexico. Either of those scenarios are still real uh, with the most likely ones somewhere in between. Yeah, and so that means you know, folks in the Florida panhandle, don't tune out on this. Right, don't. right. Yeah. Please do not. I've already known that folks in Tallahassee have already uh, taken note of that by clearing some of the grocery stores of their shelves. Yeah, and it's good that the grocery stores are, are, are busy because that means people aren't waiting until the last day when there's a hurricane warning up when your chances of getting those supplies is really, really small. And right now, there's still opportunities in the next couple of days for those stores to Get resupplied, and so you know, get those supplies as early as you can. Not just for it could be a lengthy storm duration, but also depending on where you are and how bad it is, a potentially long and nasty aftermath. You got to get enough supplies for the aftermath too. That's right. why we talk about enough uh, water, a gallon per person or day, to last seven days. And especially in this kind of event, you really want to have as much as possible because you could be on your own uh, for quite a bit of time without power, without yes. power, without medical care being able to come. You got to have a first aid kit. You got to have prescription medicines filled ahead of time. Anything that you're going to need to be on on your own for several days, you want to get ahead of time. Right, right. And, you know, we, after being impacted by Irma, I'm sure a lot of people in Florida have, after seeing such far reaching impacts outside of the areas that took a direct landfall, I think that everyone is hopefully going to be much more aware of that this time around. Um, and also talking about the track uh, similarities, just three years ago, we talked about this yesterday, Hurricane Matthew in 2016. Um, we were starting to see somewhat of a scenario where we saw this northward movement and potentially a, a strong category hurricane uh, moving north along the east coast of Florida. And then up into the Carolinas. And that's somewhat what we saw. But thankfully, the eye stayed offshore. But we still had significant impacts. And look how far reaching those went up into the Carolinas. So we're talking about heavy rainfall, um, onshore flow and storm surge, uh, coastal flooding possibly from Florida all the way to the Carolinas. And then there's also a rainfall threat uh, in the Carolinas again as well. Some of the models are already putting out several inches of rainfall. So yeah, so important to emphasize this is not just going to be a coastal event. Yeah. And that kind of outcome that we saw with Matthew is not unrealistic to something to see something similar to that one, you know, with a, essentially a hurricane, a powerful one, very close to the coast, if not onshore, moving along it. <laughs> it's always interesting when we compare to past hurricanes. I've been doing a lot of that the last uh, day or two, uh, but, I, you know, uh, I'm sure we all realize that Dorian will write its own unique story, but it will have aspects of past hurricanes that hopefully we can learn from in time to take the right actions for this one, because in 2004, we had slow-moving Francis coming into the uh, East Coast 
coast mm-hmm. of uh, Florida. Uh, but, but this one could be stronger than that, and it could spend a little more time raking more coastal areas than Francis did at a greater intensity, and it's even possible it comes in farther south than Francis did, farther north than Andrew did, and maybe the southeast Florida metro areas get one of the worst hurricanes they've had in a long time. I mean, all of these things are still on the table. So what I'm really trying to get at is if you went through one of those past hurricanes and your outcome was favorable and you hear that name used again, don't assume, oh, well, it's going to be like that one, so I'm going to be okay. This one could be just a little bit different and could be worse for you than you've ever experienced. I remember being on Merritt Island for Hurricane Francis back in 2004. I was trying to document the landfall there, and I remember waiting forever for the, the hurricane to make landfall. And as it sort of slowed down and approached the Florida coast, it did weaken a little bit. There were some yeah. factors that uh, allowed that to happen. There is some thought that is there may be a silver lining here. It's you know maybe too early to rely on something like that. But if Dorian were to slow down and move very slowly over the same water, it may sort of lead to some self-limiting of its intensification. In other words, it may weaken a little bit if it were to churn up some cooler waters. Now, we're not forecasting that, but it is something that perhaps some of us can hope for, that the slowdown with all the bad things that come with it slowing down over water, there may be some other things that we can hope for in a silver lining part of the forecast that if it slows down, perhaps it weakens by churning up cooler water. It's it's harder for a hurricane to do that over the Gulf Stream, but if it does it somewhere else, then yes, it it could very well uh, lead to some weakening. But And I've always looked at uh, hurricanes that were really peaked at Cat 4 or 5 offshore and then weakened. It still is usually a very bad outcome because a weakening major hurricane usually gets larger, too, in the process. I mean, there's just no good thing about a major hurricane in whatever state after it peaks out uh, getting to the coast. And if this one peaks and is ramping up like Michael did mm-hmm. on the way to the coast, that's obviously bad. So uh, it, it's just we got to deal with wind and water, coastal and inland, and take this seriously. Treat this one like the unique hurricane it is and do everything that local officials tell you to do. And don't wait till the last minute. Right. And we always want to reiterate that, you know, the, the cone is a guide for where the center may track. So it may go as far south as the far left edge of the cone. It may go as far north as the right edge of the cone, you know, in the in the trajectory that we have it now. So uh, that means that impacts will be felt outside of that. Uh, so everybody don't forget that. So kind and, of as and we... The, and the yeah. cone gets more and more useless in describing the impact areas the closer you get to landfall because the cone gets very narrow yes. and the hurricane is going to be larger than be that large. cone and, the, and the, the impacts will go way outside of there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so as we kind of start to wrap things up, I guess between the two of you kind of, I mean, obviously this has, uh, multiple threats that we're uh, concerned about each of them, but, um, I guess what is, what are some of your biggest concerns or biggest fears with this particular storm? If you had to kind of hone in on one or two things. Um, I can think of, um, or well, the obvious impacts of course, of rain and surge and flooding, but here's one thought that, you know, what if, what if Dorian were to, in a, in a, scenario that's not completely impossible. What if it were to turn northward? And what if it were to miss the southeastern United States? What would the perception be then of what what happened to the forecast? How would we all deal with the after effects of um, a storm that was so publicized so heavily um, and then missing? 
you know, that's our job now is to communicate the uncertainty because all along we've all been saying, everybody here at this table has been saying there are still options available for, you know, lots of different outcomes. So I just want to make sure that the public understands that we're trying to wrestle with a lot of uncertainty and give them the best forecast that we can, knowing that there's still a lot of unknowns. And while we sure hope that something happens along the way to spare as many people as possible from the worst of this hurricane, but the threat is high, the threat is real, and given what we know at this moment, you've got to take this seriously. What you do in the next couple days before this system gets close to Florida and maybe comes ashore could end up determining whether you live to tell about the event afterwards. That's how serious this is of a threat. Yeah, the the expected track brings it into Florida. There is no doubt about that. And so we have to prepare accordingly. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been a great discussion. Uh, We're going to try to continue to do these uh, maybe as we uh, continue to follow Dorian, but we just want to make sure that everybody remembers to watch us uh, here on the Weather Channel as our coverage continues. We've got crews out in the field already broadcasting live now. We're going to continue to do that until uh, Dorian is finished, however many days. Uh, that may actually be. And we're also answering your questions on the air. Um, so if you're on Twitter and Facebook, uh, use the hashtag hurricane questions. Uh, and we're going to try to answer those uh, on each show. Uh, we've already been doing it this morning and the last couple of days. We'll hope to continue doing it. So Dr. Yeah. Greg Postel and Dr. Nab, thank you. Yeah, there have been some great questions coming in. Keep them mm-hmm. coming. And if uh, if you ask the question, you're probably asking it on behalf of thousands of other people who are thinking the same thing. Right, right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, we'll catch you next time here on the Weather Geeks Cheers podcast. and stay safe. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.